Look in your Bible, please, in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah, of course, that great prophet of God. He's preaching to the southern kingdom and uh, he's sharing some things. But in the latter part of this book, beginning with chapter number 40, he is looking ahead in Bible prophecy quite a bit towards our coming of our Lord. But things, great things of admonition for me and you as well. And I trust this morning God's going to speak to our heart. I have some things on my heart. Not sure how it's going to come out, but we'll see. Notice, if you will, I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. We preached on the fact that he is the servant, the Lord Jesus Christ. In chapter 42, verse 1, he says, Behold my servant. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And what an awesome thing that is to think of the Lord Jesus Christ, who being equal with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and put, took upon him the form of a servant. And he submitted himself unto death, even the death of the cross, and humbled himself that he might be the servant of, of, of the Father to do those things. A servant is one who's chosen for a particular task. And boy, he had a great task. That was to redeem fallen man. Uh, uh, a servant is somebody who bears a burden. And the Bible said that he bore our, all our sins in his own body on the tree. And I'm thankful for that. I, one thing I did not deal with, this is just in passing, but I want you to look at verse number six. I did not mention that in the message. I'm not preaching on that thought today, but I want to point this out to you for your Bible study. Notice in chapter 42 of the book of Isaiah, verse six, I, the Lord have called thee in righteousness and I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people and for a light to the Gentiles. And then he goes on and gives that great verse in verse 7 where he says he's going to open blind eyes. He'll bring out the captives out of prison and, uh, and, and so on. But if you'll notice the emphasis here in this verse 6 that he is for a covenant of the people. Now that's Israel. Jesus Christ is the validation of all the promises of Jehovah God to the nation of Israel. In other words, everything that God did for Israel, everything God's doing for Israel now, while even in now they don't acknowledge him as the Messiah, that he is the validation or he is the strength of God's covenant between them. And he is, he is that covenant. He is, he is the, the, the seal of that covenant, if you will. He is the covenant of the people, Israel. He's that covenant. He's the validation of all the promises of God. And that reminds us of the verse that every good and perfect gift comes down from him. And you don't get a thing without him. Everything comes to him, even Israel. And it was not their keeping the law. Because if you study your Bible, you know, they did a very poor job of keeping the law. It is not through their ritualistic worship that God kept his promises to Israel. Because if you study, you'll see that quickly they drift off into idolatry. They don't do like they're supposed to do. But the strength of God's promises in what we call the Palestinian covenant that has to do with the land, the Davidic covenant, which has to do with dominion and rule of Jehovah God over them, all of that's tied to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is all in all. He is perfect everything. And everything that Israel has gotten in the days gone by or everything they'll have today and everything they'll have in the future is coming through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But then notice this. He's also for light for the Gentiles. And what a wonderful song, Brother Joe Barry just sang. Jesus Christ is the light. 
He's the way, the truth, and the life. But he's the light that reveals uh, God to us. And he's a light for us, a revelation to reveal the Father. He that has seen me, Jesus said, he's seen the Father. And so he came to us. I am glad that God didn't have to back up and have a plan B to include the Gentiles. Before the foundation of the world, God had planned to redeem Israel and to save Gentiles, whoever would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And thank God it wasn't a second thought that we got in. It was in God's eternal purpose and plan that we would know him, know the Christ, and be saved all eternity. Now, look at verse number 8, and here's my message for today. I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now, God's only one can do that. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth, ye that go down to the ship, and all that is therein, the isles and the inhabitants thereof. Let the wilderness and the cities thereof lift up their voices, and the, vill- the villages that a Kedar doth inhabit. Let the inhabitants of the rock sing. Let them shout from the top of the mountain. Let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise in the islands. And I don't you know now why the youth choir sang the song they sang? And we are going to magnify the Lord. Now look at this little phrase in this passage. Notice in verse 1, if you mark your Bible, he said, I'm the Lord. That's my name. Notice my glory Will I not give to another? Neither my praise. Notice, he said, my glory and my praise. Again, in verse 10, he says, sing unto the Lord a new song and give him his praise. And then if you will, notice on down a little further. And and, in the last little phrase that I read to you, he, of course, uses the phrase singing and shouting. But in verse 12, he says, let them give glory unto the Lord and declare his praise. I want to preach to you for just a few minutes on glory and praise. Will you bow with me? Heavenly Father, I pray now the Holy Ghost of God would breathe on me. Our Father, I want to thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. And I pray, God, somehow you'd help me, our Father, this morning to have the fullness of the Holy Ghost of God. I want to magnify our Lord. I want to be a vessel through which you can speak to draw men to worship and to glorify and to praise our God. I pray, Father, you'd help me, our Father, in the hour that we stand here before these people today. God, to be used of God. If there's a man or woman, a boy, girl in the building or in the Internet audience or through the radio ministry that doesn't know Christ, I pray, our Father, they know him and the free pardon of sin. God, I pray this morning that your people's focus would be on him and magnify him. And I'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. In this passage of Scripture, God is dealing with Israel. Israel has attributed their circumstance to to a lot of different things. They have attributed their problems to certain things. They have uh, attributed their successes and their blessings to idols and stones and other things. And in this passage of Scripture, he said, I want you to know one thing. I'm not going to give my glory to anybody else. I'm not going to give my praise to anybody else. And then we're admonished to sing and to shout and to give praise. He said, though 
those in the villages and those in the mountains and those in the rocks and those down by the sea. Everybody is to praise the Lord. And I want to deal this morning with that thought, the glory and praise the Lord. You and I ought to praise him. I want to remind you, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, he'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on him. And that word stayed means to rely on a trust. But here you and I need to learn a wonderful lesson this morning about what God wants us to do. I want you to know that God is El Shaddai. It means he's the all-sufficient one. He does not need our praise. He does not need our glory. He is a God of glory, and he's a God worthy of praise. It does not add to him nor detract from him if we don't praise him. It doesn't make him any less God if you bow before him or if you don't bow before him. He is God. You can worship him or not worship him, but he is still God. He's glorified by the angels. He sung praises. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The seraphims fly back and forth. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, thou art holy. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt him. It doesn't diminish him at all if we don't praise him. And I don't think for one moment that God is wanting us to praise him or glorify him because there's something lacking in him that we make up when we praise him. I want you to know that, understand that. Matter of fact, I've learned through studying the word of God that everything that God commands us to do turns out to be for his glory, but for our good. And God wants you to learn a wonderful lesson this morning about magnifying and glorifying God. It's what's in our mouth. It's what's in our heart. It's what's in our head. I found this to be true of my own self. If I'm not careful, I'll focus on problems and difficulties, and I'll talk more about the world and about the devil and about what's going on than I do spending time magnifying him. Therefore, he said this, I'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on me, those who focus. Paul kind of phrased it like this in the New Testament. He said, if there's any good thing, anything honest, anything good report, you think on those things. And when you come to think about the Lord, what could you think of that would be more wonderful than to think about him and to focus on him and to keep him before your eyes all the time and magnify the Lord. Here in this passage of scripture, he said, you and I are to give him glory and to give him praise. Now in connection with that, will you follow with me as I show you a few Bible passages in the book of Psalms? If you would go back to the book of Psalms just real quick, look in the book of Psalms and Psalms 146, Psalms 146, and we're talking about glory and praise this morning, and I want to emphasize this truth about praise. In Psalms 146, I call your attention to the first verse. You give me a minute to get there myself, and notice what it says in Psalm 146, praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Look over in Psalm 47. It said this, Praise ye the Lord, for it is good to sing praises unto our God, for it is pleasant and praise is comely. You know what that means, word comely? It means beautiful or beautifying. When you praise the Lord, it helps you look better. And when you praise the Lord, it is a pleasant thing. Praising God brings into your heart pleasantness. Praising the Lord brings into your heart a song. Praising the Lord brings into your heart beauty. And what a blessing 
astonishing thing that is. Notice what it says in Psalm 148. Praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Uh, praise, ye all, uh, praise ye him, all his angels. Praise him, all ye hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars. Uh, praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that are above the heavens. Uh, notice, let the praise of the name of the Lord, for he commanded the, the, and commanded, and they were created. Skip on over to Psalms 149. Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praise unto him with the timbre and the harp. Uh, for the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Skip on over to Psalm 150. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, in, uh, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the ferment of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and, and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I get the idea that God wants us to praise him. In the word Psalms, the Hebrew word for Psalms literally means praises. And so all these Psalms, 150 Psalms, are praises of Jehovah God. He wants us to praise him and magnify him. Now you have your place in Isaiah 42. Hold that. But turn over to the book of Hebrews. And let me show you a verse in the book of Hebrews. And a wonderful passage of scripture. Just one verse here though. In Hebrews chapter Chapter number 13, notice what it says in verse 15. Let him therefore, let, excuse me, by him therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. He's, Paul, I believe, writing the book of Hebrews said that you and I, by the Lord Jesus Christ, ought to give praise to God always, continually, the fruit of our lips for his name or to his name. And what a wonderful admonition that is. I'm trying to tell you something that'll help you this morning. I know you're living in tough economical times. I know we're in dark days financially, dark days politically. A lot of people, so many, I look across this congregation and boy, it looks like uh, we, we've just been decimated with sickness and flu and surgeries and all kind of problems and things pile up on people. But here this passage says this, uh, let's give him glory. And let's give him praise. Why is that? Why does he want us to do all that? Well, I believe there's some reasons. But now notice, first of all, let me kind of put it all together for you like this. He says in this psalm, let us by him offer praise. There's a channel of praise. I said a while ago that he's the covenant of Israel and he's a light to the Gentiles. And our approach to God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the channel. We come to him when prayer, we come to God in prayer through the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the channel of our praise. And so we're channeling all of our praise through the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation came by him. 
him. He gave us everlasting life. He forgave us of all our sin, gave us a home in heaven, and thank God for that. We are to pray in Jesus' name. So all of our prayer goes to Father and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Only salvation's through him, and only prayer gets accomplished through him. And the same way with praise, we funnel all our praise through the Lord Jesus Christ and focus on him. We, we channel our praise through him. But now notice something else. Uh, he says in the book of Hebrews, we offer for the sacrifice of praise. See, you see, sacri- a praise is in fact worship. People say, well, I came to church to worship the Lord. Well, did you praise him? Did you praise him? What did you praise him for? Well, we got around the altar. We prayed about all of our sickness. We prayed about our needs and we prayed about this and prayed about that. And those are good things, but we didn't worship if we didn't praise him. If we didn't, if we didn't magnify him in some way, if we didn't lift our voice in praise and adoration to him, we failed to do what God wants us to do. Praise and glory, glory and praise. Now, let me see if I can help us to understand. We're going to offer our praise through the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's a cost to that. He calls it a sacrifice of praise. That, that means, my dear friend, it's not going to be always easy to praise. It's not going to always be easy. I want you to turn in your Bible, please, back in the book of Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, and then the book of Leviticus. And in the book of Leviticus, will you find, please, chapter number 7. Genesis, Exodus, and then Leviticus, and chapter number 7. Watch what it says here about praise and offering praise to the Lord. And in chapter 7 of the book of Leviticus, I want to call your attention to verse number 11. This is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which ye shall offer unto the Lord. If ye offer it for a thanksgiving, then ye shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil and cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. Then verse number 13, besides the cakes, Ye shall offer for his offering leavened bread with a sacrifice of thanksgiving for his peace offering. Now, I'll just leave off the reading there. If any of you have studied very much about the Levitical worship and types in the Bible, leaven is yeast. It permeates the dough, when you mix it up and you've got, say, we got self-rising flour, but some of the ladies who use the old-time flour... They'd put yeast in there, and they'd mix it up, and that's what caused it to rise. If you make yeast rolls, you, you make them up, you leave them, they're about, you know, about yay big. Leave them overnight, they'll be three times as big in the morning because the leaven will cause the bread to rise, and it's like permeating. And the Lord warned about the leaven of the Pharisees, leaven of un, un, uh, false doctrine. It permeates, it spreads. Leaven in the Bible is a type of sin. Well, isn't it ironic that when he said you come to offer a thanksgiving offering or a praise offering, you offer part of that offering with unleavened bread and cakes with no sin in it, anointed with oil, and then you offer another one that has leaven in it, and he's called it a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why is that? Because when you and I come to worship the Lord, there's two aspects of our praise and worship. When we come to worship him, that unleavened bread and that unleavened cake anointed with oil is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had no sin in him. Neither was any guile found in his mouth. 
He was anointed with the oil of gladness. He had the spirit of God without measure. And he is our sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we worship him. But the other part of that, it has leaven in it. That's me and you. And all of our praise and all of our worship, we recognize that we are still in a body of flesh and that we're still not perfect. And we come to worship him and we, we, we don't pretend to say that our worship is absolutely perfect. But our worship is focused on and through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our perfection. You say, well, I'm not worthy to lift my hands. I've not, fa- I've not served him right. I failed the Lord. I've not done this. I've not done the other. And, and I, I'm, I'm reaping what I sowed and so on and all those things. The devil will beat you down every kind of way. But isn't it ironic that God had it set up in the very beginning that when you come to offer this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, that there's going to be an element of the reality of sin in that. He wants us to worship him. Magnify his name. It's a sacrifice. And we recognize the fact that it's not us, but it's that unleavened bread. It's Christ that gives us access to the Father. I I don't get to go to him because I've been good. I don't get to praise him because I've done everything that he wanted me to do. I don't praise him because I'm perfect, but I praise him because of the Lamb of God who took away all of my sin. And I worship him today because of who he is. That's the sacrifice of praise. I come to him to offer him my praise through the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. He is, my dear friend, the Lord Jesus Christ is that sacrifice of praise. And we offer him that this morning. But now notice what he said in that book of Hebrews as well. Remember this? He said, you offer it continually. Now here's the key. Here's the key. You and I will have spells of worship. I call them spells of worship. There'll be times that boy, he is good to you and you're you're rejoicing and you're praising him. But God said, we ought to do that continually. It ought to be something I do 24 seven in my conscious waking hours. And even when I'm asleep, ought to be praising God. It is continual praise. Now, let me tell you what happens to people, why they get depressed and why they get down. And I'm speaking from experience. It's because they quit doing exactly what this admonition says. He said, I will not give my glory nor my praise to another. And he says, you and I are to offer to him continually sacrifice of praise. Magnify him. Most of the time we magnify our problems. We magnify our difficulties. We talk about our, our, all these other things instead of magnifying the Lord. And he said, we ought to magnify him continually. We ought to worship him continually. We ought to glorify him continually. Always, everything, everybody. If you will, turn back to Psalm 148. I read a portion of that to you a while ago. But go back to Psalm 148. And let's read just a couple of verses there again about that idea of worshiping him continually. Everything Everybody, all the time. Notice what it says in Psalm 148 and look at verse 2. Praise ye him, all his angels. Praise him, all ye hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all ye stars of light. Praise him, ye heavens of heavens and ye waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. What a wonderful thought. But will you skip down to verse 13? Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is excellent. His glory is above the earth and heaven. He's always worthy of our praise. And he's always worthy of us giving him glory. And you're to do it continually. You're to magnify him continually. 
glorify him continually. Praise him continually. Why you say, well, Brother Billy, we got all kind of sickness at our house. Our car broke down. I've lost my job. The Bible said, in everything, give thanks. Just thank the Lord. I remember when I was up in Reedsville one time and God was a blessing. I, I, I was able to, I bought a car. It was a, 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 a little Mazda 626 luxury sedan. And I did, had a rapture roof. It was a, it was on a, at a, a finance company there. I rode by and I saw the little car and I went in and talked with a lady and I, I had done some business with them. She said, it's a repo. It's a repo. And I, and she said, I need to clear it off my books and everything. And I said, well, how much you want for it? And she said, and I said, well, I'll pray about it. And so I, I went on back to work and I prayed. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to have it. And so I called her and I said, I want to get that car. And she said, great. I need to get off my books. I said, great. I said, I believe the Lord wants me to have it. She said, I believe the Lord wants you to have it too. And, and I said, well, I need to finance it. She said, I can't finance it. And uh, I, I said, why? She said, because we got to get off our books. And I said, I, I've got to have it. And so she said, well, let me do some checking. So she called. And she said, Brother Bill, I'll do this. She said, I'll just give you a personal loan, give you a clear title to the car. And I said, I'll take it. Well, anyhow, I got the little car. I was so proud of my little car. I went to church that Sunday, Sunday and everybody looked at it, and they oohed and awed about my little car. It was, it was just great. And Sunday night, same thing. Sunday night on the way home from church, had to go down a little hill and up a little hill. Going down the hill, it went chugging. Going up the hill, it quit and rolled back down the hill. I got that thing off to the side, and I, boy, I said, praise God. I don't know what's wrong with it. I kept talking to the Lord, and I finally got the thing cranked, and it just limped to the yard. I made a couple of phone calls the next morning, and somebody said, well, you got water in your gas or something. So somebody came and picked it up. They worked on it for me, brought it back, said, it's fine. I said, praise God. I went to rejoicing, praising God. And I went, went back out to church on Monday for something other, and went all the way through up and down those hills just to praising God. And did what I had to do at church. Started back home. Same hill. It started cutting off going down the same hill. Going up the hill, it cut off and rolled back down the hill. And I finally got the thing. It would, it would go about 50 feet and just die. 50 feet and die. 50 feet and die. It pulled up in the yard. And boy, the devil jumped through my rapture roof. I mean, he got in right beside me. And he said, you're an idiot. You've been appraising God, glorifying God. Look at what a piece of junk he gave you. And now you got to pay all this money to get it fixed. And da, 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 da. And I sat there for just a few minutes and wondered what in the world I was going to do. You know what I did? I pulled the light switch out and I opened the door just to crack. And if you leave the lights on, it goes a dinging. And it went to ding a ding a ding a ding a ding a ding It had power windows. I went to mashing those buttons, put my fingers on just like a piano key. The windows would go down. I'd take them off. They'd go up. I took, it had a place where you could do the mirrors in and out. And I got to mashing that. I turned the radio on real loud. I mashed my button from a rapture roof and it went to closing back and forth. I had the bells a dinging. I had the windows going back and forth. I had the mirrors going back and forth. Had my rapture roof opening and closing and everything. And I said, devil, look here. Everything works but the motor. <laughs> Praise God. Everything works but the motor. Listen, and everything, give him praise. Give him glory. It doesn't do you a bit of good to be down, defeated, and depressed. And he's fixed it to where we don't have to be that way because we can rejoice in him and glorify him continually. We are to magnify the Lord all the time in every situation for all things to praise him. But now notice what it said in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it said this, you're to offer the sacrifice of praise, even the fruit of your lips. I want to remind you that this praise is to be vocal. Now, I'm trying to help you this morning. You understand? 
I don't have to ask you if you've got problems. I don't have to ask you if you've got sickness. I don't have to ask you if you've got family crisis. Everybody in this building does. But I'm telling you, he said, I'm not going to give my glory to anybody else. I'm not going to give my praise to anybody else. And you and I are to sing and to shout and praise him continually all the time. The fruit of our lips. It's to be vocal. Our praise ought to be vocal, speaking the word of faith, speaking the glory of God, magnifying him, lifting our praise to the Lord. Let me give you a verse or two or a couple of verses. I, I took uh, Strong's Bible Dictionary and went through it and, uh, and Vine's Word Studies. There are several words in the Bible for praise and adoration. And one of them is the Hebrew word halayah, halayah. It's used 160 times, and it is the word from which we get the word hallelujah. That is the, a universal word. If you go to the Philippines and say hallelujah, they know what you're talking about. If you go to Suriname and say hallelujah, they know what you're talking about. You can go anywhere in the world, and uh, you can shout hallelujah, and they know what you're talking about. It's the word from which we get that 160 times used in the Old Testament. It says this, let us praise Yahweh, which is the name of the Lord. Let us praise Yahweh 160 times in the Old Testament. You and I to offer praise to him. Every time in the word of God, when it talks about praise, it has to do with vocal or expressive praise. Look back in Isaiah chapter number 42. Notice what it says, beginning, if you will, please, in verse number 10. Sing unto the Lord a new song, and his praise from the ends of the earth. And he goes on, who's supposed to do that? You're to sing, you're to lift your voice, you're to praise him. Notice he said in verse 11, let the wilderness and the cities lift up their voices, a voice, and acknowledge that. Skip down to the latter part. He said, let the rocks sing, let them shout from the top of the mountains, you're expressive. It's to be vocal. Your mouth ought to be filled with the praise of God. Now, how many of you got problems? You don't have to raise your hand. Everybody's got problems. Everybody's got difficulty. And I'm going to tell you right now, not one of you in here have ever talked about how bad the economy was, how bad our political situation is, how bad you felt and felt better after you did it. Now, you don't ever do that. It always brings you down. And if, if that's not enough, you get around other folks and they'll tell you how bad they feel. And then when you leave, you feel bad sure enough. But you know, you and I are to continually have our mouths filled. It says this, even the fruit of our lips praise to our God. I want you to understand something. He doesn't have to have that. He does not have to have you to praise him. He does not have to have you to magnify him. He's sufficient. He's all in all. It doesn't leave him inadequate, doesn't leave him unfulfilled, doesn't leave him in any way diminished when you don't praise him. He wants you to praise him for your own benefit. He wants you to magnify him for your own benefit. He wants you to glorify him for your own personal good. There's another word in here. It's called yada. And it means, not yada, yada, do, but yada. And it means this. It's 120 times. It means this, to give praise or to load. Now, that's first used in the book of Genesis, chapter number 29 and verse 35. It's when a boy was born that God blessed, and his name was called Judah. Judah means praise. Praise. God blessed and they praised him because of that. Listen, you and I ought to offer praise to the Lord. Magnify him and glorify him for all that he's done. It says in that same passage in the book of Hebrews that we're to do it to his name. 
That has to do with the content of our praise. We're to magnify him. We're to offer thanksgiving to him. The Lord Jesus Christ died for us. He created everything around us. You have a home in heaven or a reserve for you. You are to magnify him. You are to glorify him. And it's all in his name. You are to magnify him and glorify him. He is the one who's done that. The word Lord is this. He who causes to be. He who causes to be. We are to worship him because he's the one who causes to be. Now, look at the two words for just a few minutes. Glory and praise. Glory is over here. He said, I'm not going to give my glory to another. Let me make a little simple statement this morning. Any glory given to man does not leave enough glory for God. He's to get all the glory. He gets all the glory. Glory has to do with who he is. We give him glory. That's never going to change. He said, I'm the Lord. I change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, when everything looked good, he was God. Today, when everything looks bad, he's still God. And tomorrow, whether things are good or bad, he's still going to be God. And so you and I ought to give him glory. Give him glory. In glory, and we, we talk about him we magnify him. It, we're, we're talking about his excellence, his excellence. He's omniscient, knows everything, knows everything. You can't tell him anything he doesn't know. He knows everything. He knows everything effortlessly. God doesn't have to think. He just knows it just like that. You know, people got a different kind of computers and they, they, I hear people talking about my computer's so slow, you know, compared to what, I, what the new ones are. Mine's so slow. And with all that you know, technology and the, the amazing amount of uh, memory that's in that thing, people still describe it as being slow. Then they'll speed up, and then the next thing you know, that one's considered slow. And no one's, but let me tell you something about God. In the first place, I don't have no, no idea how many megabytes of memory he's got. But I can tell you how quickly he can remember something. He never has to remember it. It's just always there. His knowledge is, is infinite. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew you before you were born. He knew all about you before you were born. He knows everything. He knows the beginning from the end. And he says this, there's coming a day that you'll be in glory and you'll be happy for all eternity because you trusted his son. And regardless of what you see and what is going on right here, he's, he's got it worked out. He knows that. He knows that. He knows what things you have need of before you ever ask him. That's what the Bible said. He knows that. He knows how to meet those needs. He knows how best to do those things. And he made some promises to you. He knows all about you. He said he has all power. And he said this, Paul said, my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God knows all your needs. He knows how to meet all those needs. Besides that, he's already got that laid up in heaven for you right now. Now, here's the thing. You don't have it in your pantry. You don't have it in your freezer. You don't have that gas in your car yet. You don't have that healing in your body yet. But God said, I've got everything ready for you. I got everything. And so what we ought to do is to give him glory for his omniscience. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. And they're past finding out. I can't understand it. But here's, here's real faith. It is to say, God, thank you that you know everything. 
I thank you for your great knowledge. I magnify you that you are omniscient. You know everything. And he's omnipotent. He can do anything. Our God can do anything. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we are able to ask or think. And some of us can think pretty big. But God can do that. God can do that. But you and I are to magnify him because of his omnipotent, his great power. Magnify him. You're to glorify him. Glory. I'm not going to give my glory to another. You say, God, you, you know better than I do. You know better than anybody else does. And God, you've got all power. We know that. We know that. He's omnipresent. God's everywhere. He's here now. He's with you. In your darkest, deepest night, he's always there. And that night when you thought nobody cared and nobody was around you, God's still there. God's there. And glorify him. Magnify him. Praise him. And you're to keep your eyes on him. God's able. We glorify him. It has to do with his ex. It has to do with who he is. Give him glory. Now, that means regardless of whatever you're going through, <coughs> you give him glory. And that ought to be on your lips. On your lips. And I guarantee you, most people in here this week, most people in here this week, have talked more about political leaders than they have about the great potentate of heaven. I mean, they've talked about the problems in, in Congress and Senate and state and federal government more than they have the majesty of our Lord. Praise God for who he is. You're to give him glory and have that on your lips continually, always. You're to be magnifying him. He's a great God. But then not only give him glory, but you're to give him praise. Where glory has to do with his excellency of who he is. Praise has to do with our experience of what he's done for us. Praise him. Oh, you say, Brother Billy hadn't given me much. Well, your heartbeat. He gave you that. Gave you breath. Gave you life. He's given you all things. But you're to praise him. Praise him. Magnify him. Lift up your praise and thank him for saving you. Well, we ought not to ever get over that, had we? He forgave all of our sins. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank him for Calvary. Thank him for all of the things he's done for us. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him for his praise. Magnify our wonderful Lord. Lift him up. I'm telling you, you've got to focus on him. The only way you can keep going in the world you're living in is to magnify the Lord. I mean, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking. I'm talking about the power of positive praise. And it's positive. You're supposed to praise him. And he's a wonderful Savior. He's worthy of all glory. He's worthy of all praise. Worthy of every bit of it. The content of my praise is just for his name. I'm to do that. You say, Brother Billy, what good will it do me to praise the Lord? What good is it going to do me? Number one, it is lifting. It is lifting. When you praise the Lord, it will lift you up to a higher plane. It'll get you out from under the problems. It'll get you out from under the difficulties. And you're magnifying him. You're just glorifying him and thanking him for all he's done. Thanking him, glorifying for who he is. It lifts you. But beyond that, it will liberate you. It will liberate you. It'll set you free. It'll break shackles in your life when you begin to praise the Lord and to glorify him. When you, listen, when you, when you praise him, it lifts you to a higher plane. When you give him glory, it lifts you to a higher plane. And when you, when you praise him and give him glory, it'll liberate you from bondage. Oh, listen, so many are haunted by memories and haunted by problems and haunted by all the difficulties of life. But when you begin to give him glory, give him praise, it'll liberate you. It'll set you free. And you can magnify him and glorify him and know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. God's a God of praise. He's a God of glory. 
And he said this, when you pray, you believe that you have it and you praise him, you glorify him. What a wonderful thing that is. What a wonderful thing it is. Listen, when you, you magnify the Lord, you, 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 you give him his rightful place in your life. It not only lifts you, it not only will liberate you, but my dear friend, it will light you. You mean, what, what do you mean by that, Brother Billy? Let your light shine on me. Moses left the children of Israel, went up on the mountain, stayed in the presence of God. And when he came out of the presence of God, he was glowing, glowing. And I'm going to tell you what it does. When you'll, when you'll learn to praise the Lord, when you'll learn to glorify God, it will light you up for witness for Christ. You're magnifying Him. You, you're giving glory to Him. You have a message that's true and real. He's able to meet your need. He's able to lift you above your circumstance. He, he's able to give you peace in the time of darkness. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear any evil because He's with you. His omnipresence is always there. It'll give you a witness if you'll learn just to praise the Lord. I want you to bow your heads for just a few minutes. With every head bowed, every eye closed, he's not going to give his glory to anybody else. Not going to give his praise to anybody else. But then he goes on to say, every area of, of the continent, mountains, land, mass, those down by the sea, everything is to praise the Lord. They'll sing and they'll shout and they'll magnify the Lord. God wants you to praise him. God wants you to worship him. I want to ask you a question. How many of you this week, you could say, I've even come close to offering him the sacrifice of praise continually, the fruit of my lips. I'm telling you, it has to be vocal. Not enough to think it. You've got to, you've got to continue to praise him. Speak it. Say it. Magnify him. Glorify him. Give him the glory. Acknowledge the fact that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we're able to ask or think. God can meet the need. God can reach down. God can touch. God can deliver. He'll liberate you. He'll lift you to a higher plane. But he'll light you for his glory. He'll put his touch on you. And you'll be a witness for Christ. I don't know if you got what I said this morning or not. But I'm praying the Holy Ghost to God to make it real to you that he wants you to continue to praise him. He's worthy of our praise. We offer our sacrifice of praise to him this morning. His name is wonderful. Wonderful. Now here's the thing. We offer the sacrifice of praise by him. Can I ask you, do you have him this morning? Do you know him? Everything that hath breath or praise the Lord. But it's something special about those who know him. You've got so much to be thankful for. Not just your physical needs or your financial needs, but that great spiritual need of him redeeming you.